Hello, my name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and welcome to Patient Stories, episodes about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. In this day of data overload, it can be both difficult for patients and doctors to cope. I met Mr. A when he and his girlfriend came into my clinic after being referred by one of the local neurosurgeons who had operated on him. The notes sent by the surgeon only provided the pathology report, which had luckily been reviewed by our institution and was readily available for discussion at our tumor board. Mr. A was an institutional banker with a very aggressive personality and very demanding. I had some difficulty speaking with him as he was constantly questioning me about standard history questions from what were his first symptoms to questions about his family's health. We could not get through the history and physical examination in an hour and I asked him to schedule another appointment and to get the MRI scans and any records he could from his other hospital so that we could review them together. When Mr. A returned to my clinic, my nurse informed me that, interestingly, his girlfriend carried his scans, a small folder, and a stack of papers with a rubber band around them. Neither she nor the patient would give them up for review before the clinic visit, wanted to go over the materials with me during the visit. My nurse and I entered into the room, and before I could even say hello, the patient noted, Here are the x-rays, records. I want to go over them with you. Then, I want to go over the stuff I found on the internet on this tumor. I asked the patient to let me look at the scans, the records, and go over them together with him. While I usually look at the scans in the large light box in the adjoining conference room area, I knew that wasn't going to work with Mr. A, and so I used the small one in the clinic room. It looked like he had had a good resection of the tumor. The surgeon's note suggested a complete resection. Pathology from the other hospital indicated some malignant features in his tumor, and he would need, most likely, radiation and chemotherapy. I noted all of this while I was going over the provided information, not something I usually do, but trying to be attentive to his need for data. After hearing this, Mr. A then said, Doctor, I've investigated this tumor and downloaded this material for your review. I would appreciate if you could look at this and provide me a report on what you think for our next clinic visit. I looked at my nurse, who slightly rolled her eyes. I said, Mr. A, thank you for providing this material. However, we have experts within our group that will review your case, and we will follow up with you with what we think is the next appropriate therapy for your tumor. Let's finish your exam, and we can discuss next steps. Mr. A allowed me to do a physical exam, but it was filled with the whys on every part of the exam. I finally had to ask him just to cooperate, explain at the end I, that I needed a baseline to assess him as we move forward with his therapy. After we finished up, Mr. A then noted, I have a list here of the U.S. News and World Report listings of the best oncology hospitals in the country and plan to visit the best one or two for care and review of my case. I want you to provide a summary of your plan for them to review. This isn't unusual for second opinions, and I recommend them. But Mr. A wasn't looking at programs for his tumor, just general oncology programs, which wasn't the same thing, which I relayed to him. He then chuckled. Doctor, don't be defensive that you're not on the list. I'm used to finding only the best, nothing personal. Sighing, I said, of course, you can get a copy of my clinic note, which should be good enough next week from the clinic secretaries, and we will have the tumor board suggestions for treatment. Mr. A's girlfriend then noted that she had found the directors of the cancer centers for the programs listed on the web pages for the hospitals from the magazine and asked if I knew any of them. I answered I did not, but I am sure there were numbers listed on the website as well for referrals. 
She then rolled her eyes and noted that she could look for them herself. As we concluded the visit, I handed the stack of internet research back to the patient, telling him that he might need this for his next visits to the other centers. Instruct me to hand the papers to his girlfriend who was carrying a chart in the scans, he walked out somewhat brusquely. My nurse at said what I was already thinking. Why didn't you bother coming in today at all? I just shook my head and put him on the schedule for presentation at our next tumor board conference. I didn't expect to see Mr. A again. But I was wrong. Several months later, Mr. A and his girlfriend were back in my clinic. He had apparently been seeing one of the doctors at the other hospitals who had been treating him with the standard therapies outlined, but he had recurred, and they had recommended another operation, which apparently was something he didn't want. He noted to me that they had not listened to him when he had stated that the surgeons at that institution weren't ranked as highly as others, and that he wanted them to consult with these other surgeons on his case. They had also refused to put him on a special protocol that his girlfriend had found on the internet that had shown promising results, noting he did not meet the eligibility criteria. He was now coming back to see me to both get a referral to the surgeon group he'd asked for and to get him on that protocol he wanted. After listening, I could only tell him I was unable to help him. I would be happy to speak with any physicians, but I could not force his current doctors to speak with new surgeons to get their opinion. I could not change the eligibility criteria for the clinical trial in which he was interested. I could not even suggest next steps for care since I didn't have the records from what had been done in the past few months. Mr. A pointedly noted, you can't do much, can you, doctor? Ignoring the statement, I asked if there was anything else. You can at least get my tumor slide specimen sent to the other surgeon group. But I noted I could not, but that was something he had to do, and that he had to go back to his original hospital where his surgery had been and get them. He left in a huff with his girlfriend in tow. I truly, at that point, never expected to see the patient again. For good or bad, I was wrong. I was informed by neurosurgery that one of my patients was in the hospital, Mr. A. I went up to the inpatient ward to do a customary visit with a former patient. Mr. A was not doing well. He'd had a massive progression of his tumor with apparently a stroke. From what I could discern, he'd not gotten any additional therapy in the ensuing months since I saw him last. It wasn't clear why. I walked into his room, and he didn't recognize me being barely conscious. He was being treated with large doses of steroids to minimize the swelling, but the tumor had become large by report of the MRI scan. The neurosurgical resident physician taking care of the patient noted that he needed decompression, but that this patient's caretaker, his girlfriend, had adamantly refused any surgery. I told the resident chemotherapy, whether conventional or experimental, wasn't going to do much here either. I deferred writing a note in the chart since I had not been formally consulted. Several days later, I heard Mr. A had been transferred to another institution. The steroids had at least stabilized him well enough. I didn't expect to see him again, and this time I was right. I think about Mr. A, noting that patients react differently to diagnoses and cope the best with the way they can, and we doctors do the same thing. Thank you very much for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.